guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest is physical preparation coach James Smith. We previously had James on the podcast way back in episode 47. On this episode, James and I discuss topics from his latest book, Applied Sprint Training. The topics we got into were increasing the alactic threshold, maximum versus operational outputs, extensive tempo versus maximum aerobic speed for aerobic development, short to long and long to short protocols for speed development, and then incorporating all this into the vertical integration model from Charlie Francis, why James does not like the yo-yo test for looking at aerobic capacity, James's thoughts on aerobic power methods for aerobic development, James's thoughts on using Olympic lift variations for strength, speed, and overall power development, and much more. This was an absolutely outstanding interview, guys. In fact, this interview was almost three hours long, so I've decided to split it up into three episodes to make it more digestible for you guys to listen to. I hope you guys really enjoy part one. Okay, Coach James Smith, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you come back onto the podcast. Um, you were previously on an episode 47, so for anyone that kind of really wants to get into your background, they can listen to that and I'll uh, definitely put um, put the episode 47 into the show notes. But just for the listeners who are listening right now, James, just give us an update of what you've been doing the, the last few years. Sure, I appreciate you having me back on, Robbie. And what you may remember from last time, I don't remember what month that was last year. It was May, May, I- May 2014 we were on. May 2014, so I had just relocated earlier that month to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I continue to reside, and I've been working exclusively at a consulting capacity. I I ceased my involvement in staff coaching in 2013 when I left the Portuguese Rugby Federation, and I've been exclusively consulting in a variety of domains since then. How, how did your gig go at, at Portugal? Because just from, from the book that we're about to discuss, it, it seemed that like uh, you, 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 uh, you definitely did a great job there. You were saying in the book they had great wins over England and South Africa at a tournament, and a lot of the players had, had, you know, had, had reported to you that they felt the best they've ever felt in their careers. So regarding the sevens, they, they did have some big victories. As in my capacity as the senior national team coach, I was given a wide spectrum of responsibilities regarding overseeing the 15s, the 7s, the women's national 7 side, in addition to the junior academies, so the 19s, the 18s, etc. I worked most directly with the senior national men's 15s and 7s, and between the two, it was from a professional responsibility capacity standpoint, it was the most enjoyable experience and fulfilling so far in my career because those who are familiar with my work will recall me mentioning program management in a number of different venues, be those lectures, written articles, etc. And I was able to serve as the program manager for both the 15s and the 7s, and that is what led to it being very fulfilling. Now, of course, as we know, the ultimate actualization of sport results is heavily dependent upon the talent level of the athletes themselves, and that was the one area where Portugal was and and continues to suffer simply because the rugby culture very, very small in the country, and the physical development interest of of many of the males in the country is not geared towards rugby. Football, as you know, has a much larger fan base, and the the result was the talent pool we had to select from was, was quite low in comparison to many other countries, and as a result, despite the fact that I was able to have the spectrum of influence that I wanted in the areas of psychological, technical, tactical, physical, etc., the results were, were still very moderate, save for those few exceptions on the seven side. 
yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got the impression too that from from a coaching standpoint, it it was uh, you got great satisfaction from it. But um, I was just interested to 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 ask how how the how your whole experience was. Sure. Well, so anyway, I got you back on uh, for a, a second episode for a very specific reason. So. I was listening to a, a podcast with Buddy Morris and Mike Robertson. Mike Robertson had Buddy on, and of course, I, I've had Buddy on in the past, and I communicate with Buddy every so often when I when I have questions that I want to ask him. But Buddy was like, uh, he was speaking away, and he, and he just said, you know, I, on my table right now, sure, I, I've got applied sprint training by James Fitton. He's like, every every goddamn coach should have this, and I was like, I should have that. <laughs> so I went straight away to your website, you know, and and, and bought it, and um, just for the listeners, you know, it, it, it it's. I, I, you know, it's kind of like Ultimate MMA, Joel James's book. It's like triphasic training. It's like uh, uh, Mike Isertel's latest book, Scientific Principles of Training. I just absolutely devoured the book. I just from the first page, I was like, I couldn't put this book down, and I was halfway through just for the listeners. And I emailed James, and I just said to him, "Out, fucking standing," <laughs> and he just wrote back, "Thanks, man." I was like, I have to have you on the podcast. So the book is called Apply Sprint Training. Uh, you released it. Uh, it says 2014. So has it been out since last year, James? Yeah. It has. I just recently. Well, first of all, thank thank you for the kind review of it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. It's ama- I, I amazing. Re- amazing. We did a great I, job. I released it at that time in 2014 through my own website, one of my own websites, which it continues to be available from, and just. One week ago, I made the book, as well as my military special operations book, available through Amazon. So now they're available on Amazon as well. That's great. That's great. And 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 as you were saying, and for those listeners who uh, who will uh, purchase the book as well, after you purchase it, and this is what I'm going to do now after this phone call, is uh, go on Amazon and leave a review because it's an outstanding book, as I said. And, and you'll know why it's outstanding once you listen through the rest of this podcast. But I suppose the first question to ask is why? Why did you write it? Why did you feel a need to write this manual? So similar to many of the impetus that have driven my lecture contents, speaking engagements, articles, conversations over the years, the common thread running through those inspirations for subject matter have been observations of mine that have revealed the glaring dysfunction in sport preparatory modalities of which the contents for applied sprint training serve to elucidate. So similar to all those other endeavors in which case I've felt compelled to offer a different perspective and the rationale behind my identification of not only my identification of dysfunction, but also provide solution. And so that is similarly shared or similarly was shared in the impetus behind creating this book. And, and, and what I feel is pertinent to point out was the, the information was so poignant and prevalent in my mind at the time that, believe it or not, this book was effectively written in about 10 days. Wow. So it happened very quickly when once I had the realization that I wanted to create it. That's that's outstanding that this was written in 10 days or or even put together in 10 days. Thank you, yes. So it happened pretty quickly. Okay, well, well, I mean, one thing that uh, I actually originally learned from you, and I'm always a big advocate of this in terms of speed development, and, and like you, I suppose I've been more involved with uh, field-based sports rather than true track and field. Now, I know you, you've also dealt with track and field athletes too, but I'm always trying to get this point across of, you know, it's more important to elevate the athlete's alactic threshold than continuously doing sub-maximal repeated endurance efforts that do nothing to increase this alactic threshold so maybe for the listeners let's touch on why it is important to increase the alactic threshold and what i really loved in your book was the comparison you kept using of usain bolt and and uh asafa powell and you know that bolt didn't uh, reach his maximum velocity in the 100 meters much later than powell therefore he actually tapped into the lactate system a lot later 
and essentially we're trying to do similar things with field-based uh, athletes that you alluded to by increasing this alactic threshold therefore making submaximal operational outputs more submaximal so maybe get into that for the listeners and just elaborate on that well said well, well Robbie I think you summarized it so well there maybe we don't even need to discuss it <laughs> <laughs> so you'll, you'll, you'll recall in the seminar that you had me perform in Dublin yeah yeah and, I, and this is where you drove home. Like I'll never forget when you did it. I was like, "Oh, if we make yeah. the, if we make the glass fuller." <laughs> that's that's right. And so the, if I remember correctly, I provided the same graph in my presentation slides. Yeah. At that time, and so it was, yeah. So you can see how some of these metrics existed long before I came out with the book. The. So it's interesting, you know. Once again, it's all rooted in observation and and good evidence, unlike what so much of the sport preparatory doctrines, it's these draconian edicts yeah. that, that exist in so many environments, in which case there are these sort of harsh ways of communicating, this is how it must be, and we must outwork the competition, and it all stems from bad evidence which is to say observations that are made through uneducated filters such as eyes of coaches who simply don't have the knowledge to draw the most high degree of wisdom in their con conclusions. Yeah. And if we talk about the aleactic threshold as one of those, while it's certainly useful to have the diagnostic metrics available, such as maximum velocity in 10 meter increments from the track and field world, it's not necessary to draw the same conclusion if, and I'm, and I'm so often quoting the late Charlie Francis, so many of the things he said, one of which was in, in the context of preparing athletes, look at the players, not the game. Yeah. And in the context of speed rather field sport if we simply watch movement and it, it doesn't matter if we have access to global positioning system technology or any other type of diagnostic sophisticated diagnostic machinery we simply pay attention what you notice it doesn't matter whether it's the king mother of them all Aussie rules football or the complete opposite of that from a bioenergetic standpoint in terms of proportionality, American football. It doesn't matter, Any, anything in between. What we see is when a sprint effort occurs, it is occurring over a very short distance associated with a very short duration. And the vast predominance of the highest intensity activities once we get into these field sports such as Aussie rules or football or rugby or lacrosse where so much of the preparation hinges on these galactic volumes of lactic work we see the error and this certainly is not to exclude American football from the same dysfunction because surprisingly even though it's quite obvious to see that the nature of the game is predicated upon this repeat, repeat, repeat of explosive efforts that are separated by relatively long periods of utter inactivity, yeah. walking back to the huddle and standing on the huddle, whereas we have the constant movement in so many of the other field sports. However, the vast majority of the movement that is not constituted by a sprint effort is occurring at very, very slow velocities. Yeah. And so while a from a proportionality and contribution scheme, if we're looking at total meters covered, which is clearly is easier to cover in kilometers in a, in a sport such as Aussie rules because of the, just the, the, the magnitude of the volume, what we see is these huge volumes of running are conducted at very, very slow velocities, less than six meters per second. And from this information, we must understand that 
the modalities of preparation to develop an aerobic base that is sufficient to cover those locomotive velocities is much different and in, and in, in fact more economical regarding the extensive tempo that we can get into than what is currently practiced as a result of these maximal aerobic speed runs, the, the yo-yo intervals, or any other variety of lactic workloads, we see the degree of misplacement because we're not focusing the criticism on aerobic enzymatic development. What we're, what we're focusing the criticism on is the means by which the development occurs and the energetic draw associated with those means. Yeah. So, to get back to the alactic side of the equation, as I indicate in the book, and as we know in a variety of other contexts, simply by increasing the output of the alactic machinery, we are able to drive all other modes of travel that exist beneath that velocity point further into the submaximal realm simply by virtue of the speed work alone. So that then when we couple the speed work with more intelligently constructed forms of aerobic development, we are then able to, to, to create an aggregate of, in this case, r running modality properties that are much more effectively constructed that that'll have a twofold advantage in the one case have much more powerful contributions towards speed development and and then on the other a much lower energetic toll to develop the aerobic qualities as a result of the tempo comparison in comparison to the lactic endeavors and so we, you kind of alluded to then the development then of the aerobic system and a huge part in your book, well, not a huge part, but a very important point to make in your book was this idea of extensive tempo versus mass. So maybe touch on to that for listeners because I'll just tell you right now, mass is absolutely huge at Gaelic Games here in Ireland at the moment and abroad in England in terms of rugby and soccer players. Like everyone's using mass and I think it's really just out of the simplicity of the test and then being able to just use these these formulas to come up with like these individualized interval runs for players so i think it's just more so th that it's so convenient that people have kind of gone towards mass but again you you bring up some great criticism so i'll let you touch on that right so so what we know about the maximal aerobic speed is that it's it is predicated upon the the mathematics are done relative to the speed at which someone is able to run, for example, a 1500 meter run straight out. And the intervals are constructed in such a way that the physiological toll is lactic. And, it, and ironically, it is not because the intervals are performed at such a fast speed, but rather because the rest intervals between the work intervals are so short. Yeah. Now, again, the criticism and what I lay out in my book and what I'll speak towards now, there's no dispute regarding the improved aerobic qualities that maximal aerobic speed running will result in. There, there's no dispute there. It does what it says it does. What the criticism is rooted in is how misplaced that form of training is in the preparation of, in this case, field sport athletes. Now, the, the reason is, again, not because aerobic enzymatic activities are proliferated. That is not the reason. The reason is because the running is so comparatively slower compared to tempo, and the result, ironically, it's slower running, but there's a much greater lactic component particularly once you get into the faster maximal aerobic speed intervals that begin to approach at extensive tempo. So the intervals are much slower, yet the lactic demand is much greater, again, because the rest intervals are so short. And so now what we bring in 
into this equation is a, such a heavy cost, physiological cost, regarding the lactic workloads and how this affects the scheme that must be put in place regarding the weekly training schedule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the, the lactic loading competes with the reserves needed to perform speed work. And as, as you know, and as anyone who is an appreciator of my work recognizes, I'm a very big proponent of speed work for the, for the reasons mentioned thus far. And clearly, we can go deeper into that if you like. And so if speed work is going to be present in its truest sense, which, of course, as you know, is not in so many field sport training paradigms, what, what is perceived as speed work is actually repeated lactic sprint intervals, mm -hmm. which is not a lactic speed work. So if it is going to exist, we have to then be cautious at what else exists. And in the case of lactic workloads, if you subscribe to a high-low system of managing the workload in terms of high, medium, and low-intensity workloads, then we know that the middle intensity zone must be accounted for as high intensity due to the fact that it is, it, it, ironically, it's too, it, it's too slow to develop speed, but it's, uh, with a few exceptions, to be fair, there are a few exceptions to that, but generally it's too slow to develop speed, yet too fast to recover from in 24 hours. So in a high-low scheme, medium intensity running, such as maximal aerobic speed training, has to be performed on a high intensity day. And by virtue of that happening, we, we must then sacrifice the amount of pure speed work because there's only so much reserves to go around. And from this, we know the cost of performing it is quite high because you're going to have to reduce the amount of speed work and perform it on a high intensity day and it's much less efficient at accomplishing the requisite objectives in comparison to the combination of speed work and extensive tempo. So to, to, just to summarize that for some of the listeners, so essentially we're not saying that maximum aerobic speed methods don't develop the aerobic system they do but the that that's not what we're disputing we're disputing that while they develop the aerobic enzymatic adaptations that that we're seeking they are also detrimental to uh, the alactic system or development of the alactic system and thus also the fact that they are in that medium to high intensity range means that they will have to be put on a high intensity cns day if we're using utilizing the high low mi microcycle that charlie pop uh, popularized and therefore we're going to have to uh we're going to have to sacrifice a true alactic uh power output day um you know um, aka proper speed work and therefore we can't elevate the alactic threshold uh, therefore we're not optimizing the submaximal operational outputs that will happen then in play um, and so essentially while we are getting aerobic development we're not actually uh, going to make our athletes actually faster and we're not going to be able to optimize their actual outputs their, their maximum and operational outputs that's yeah. it perfect just, just so that because I know like sometimes when when we kind of we go on and on and listeners kind of just want like a what's the three or four points I need to make take take away from this. Um, so it's I, I would so what I would add to that, Robbie, is in the, in the interest of you know paraphrasing down to a simple takeaway: the maximal aerobic speed is challenging because the rest intervals provided between the running efforts are short. Are short, what, yeah. What what I would encourage people to pay attention to is just how slow. The running actually is yeah and then compare that to extensive tempo which we can discuss in which case the running is much faster in terms of the velocity however due to the way that the training sessions are constructed with work rest etc the physiological toll is much less because we're, we're not in a lactic environment and now most importantly when we compare these methods 
to what is actually happening during the contest, this is where we see how the, the, the vast majority of the volume of running that is done, it doesn't matter whether it's Gaelic football or whether it's Aussie rules football or whether it's rugby sevens, rugby league, rugby union, lacrosse, field hockey, it doesn't matter. The overall volume of running that is done is very slow running. Yeah. Then we look at, okay, what falls in the medium intensity category, which is to say the lactic contribution of faster than 75%, but slower than 90, 95%. And in all these sports, we what we find is a very, very small volume of running that occurs in that zone. Yeah. And in some cases... Uh, an equally small volume of the highest intensity running in the form of sprinting. However, just because the proportion is small in no way suggests that the proportion of preparatory methods in that domain must also be small because of what we know of the value of pushing you know, some some would dispute how much the threshold can actually be pushed. That pushed that the, there might be different language used to describe what's what's actually occurring. Yeah. So what we can what we can say irrefutably is, if you get faster, you are then able to drive speeds beneath the level that you've newly attained further into the submaximal realm, and therefore create a situation in which those speeds that are driven further into the submaximal realm equate to easier efforts simply as a result of getting faster. So then when we couple this with the extensive tempo, we have a much more potent combination of developing that valuable speed as well as all of the aerobic capacity that we need via running that's actually even faster than the maximal aerobic speed yet aerobic so just uh while we're talking about extensive tempo because i remember reading the part in the book about extensive tempo versus mass and i the thought actually came into my head that when we actually mean you discuss this it may sound to the listeners a bit of a contradiction when we say well you can do extensive the extensive tempo is more aerobic but yet it's faster than mass yes. you know, so people kind of go well hold on that does, how does that make sense and again I, I, I know what you're going to say but I'll let you allude to how, how this is possible sure well it, it, it would be very naive to associate the sole variable of velocity in the discussion of what leads towards a physiological response because if if we were to limit the discussion only to velocity clearly we know that the highest velocities are achieved in maximal velocity sprint training yeah in in the you know we're, we're talking double the velocity of extensive tempo which makes it galactically faster than maximal aerobic speed yet a maximal velocity sprint session, every repetition is entirely a lactic due to the duration, short, and then these long rest intervals that we provide in order to allow for the reconstitution of the biochemical substrates that support those type of efforts. Now, tempo, while nowhere near as fast as speed work, is still much faster than maximal aerobic speed intervals, even in the supermaximal sense. And the reason it remains aerobic is because the rest intervals provided between the tempo runs are comparatively longer than the maximal aerobic speed intervals. So it's quite simple. Now, th- this, this is not to... The, I, what, the way I would re- expound upon this is the endeavor, of, particularly of field sport coaches, in the paradigm of fitness, tends to be rooted and decided by what the most grueling option becomes. And, of course, this is a mistake. Yeah. L- looking at the, simply the 
the, ex the exertions that we can observe with our eyes coming from athletes who are performing maximal aerobic speed or a yo-yo test or 300-yard shuttles compared to extensive tempo, the uninformed individual would say, well, clearly these athletes who are performing the max aerobic speed or the yo-yo or 300-yard shuttles, clearly they're working much harder. Look how hard they're working. They're exhausted. And that's a big mistake made in the preparation of athletes. The single barometer of how hard does it look like the work is and, and more so, how are we quantifying hard work? Because from an intensity scale, we know that the intensities are much greater via the velocities increasing and or the forces. Yeah. However, in a high-low scheme, we provide much greater recovery periods between those work intervals. So to the uninformed observer, speed work, tempo work, maximal strength work doesn't look to be as difficult as lactic work because you're not vomiting, you're not falling down to the ground, you're not out of breath. And therefore, the uninformed observer associates the relative composure that a sprinter or a weightlifter or a powerlifter demonstrates after completing a working effort, they associate that composure with, oh, it doesn't seem as if you work too hard doing that. Whereas someone doing a relatively lesser intensity effort, or rather a substantially lesser intensity effort, yet due to either the extended duration of it or the limited amount of recovery provided between efforts is is just coming apart at the seams. They're, they're breathing, they're sweating, in, in really bad cases, they're vomiting, and the uninformed observer then associates these, these actualizations of physiological stress with hard work, which of course is not only misguided, but it is a mistake when it results in planning being adjusted in order to accommodate these much more inefficient modes of training. Yeah. Just with regards to uh, the OYO, as a test, do you think it's a good test? Not at all. And, and for the same reasons rooted in my criticism for the maximal aerobic speed. So, does the yo-yo test assess certain aerobic qualities? Yes. That's not my criticism. My criticism is that the means by which the both both the bioenergetic, the biomotor, three of them, the biomotor, the biodynamic, and bioenergetic nature of the test is such a far cry from the biomotor, biodynamic, and bioenergetic environment of the sport competitions. Yeah. We have these, these short 20-meter intervals going back and forth in the yo-yo, and, and they are so incredibly slow for so long, and it isn't until you get to the, to the near conclusion of whatever each individual's capacity is that the speed of the intervals are proportionally, or rather relatively, faster than when they started. But if we look at the actual velocity of even the final intervals of a yo-yo, they will still pale in comparison to most extensive tempo. So again, it's because of the relatively constant movement, you know, you have these very short rest intervals between each 20 meter effort. So similar to the maximal aerobic speed, the yo-yo test concludes in a very grueling physiological environment. However, the, the biggest takeaway here should be the energetic toll of doing so and the lack of relevance in the context of both how do we get as fast as possible over the relevant distances and how do we develop the aerobic mach machinery as effective as possible via the least expensive physiological means. 
But if my, my question is, if you're just using that as a standalone one-off test, not as a training method like mass, like mass, you're doing it two or three times a week, whereas a yo-yo you might do at the start of your off-season and then retest eight weeks later, because I've always used yo-yo as a basic aerobic, uh, a basic just aerobic marker, but then I always use extensive tempo and speed work, and the aerobic test always naturally goes up anyway, due, due to training a the a lactic system and extend and aerobic system through extensive tempo. So I'm just saying as a one off test to get some parameter of someone's aerobic system of where it's at. Not actually as something I would utilize as a training method, two or three nights a week dur- during the course of a microcycle. Right. So so effectively, you just you just summarized it, Robbie. You see how in your use of the yo yo, simply as a periodic test you're seeing the increase in aerobic fitness as it's measured via the yo-yo as a result of performing extensive tempo and yeah. alactic speed work. So what I would encourage you to do is take it a step further and eliminate the use of the yo-yo as an assessment because from a, from a key performance indicator standpoint, and when, when I'm in program management mode and I'm performing these consults with various coaches, what, what I'm encouraging them to look at is first and foremost the structure of sport as it exists on an irrefutable basis yeah. based upon the unarguable evidence. So when we're talking in the language of velocities and millimoles of blood lactate and all the other sort of diagnostics that are available relative to testing that's been done in time motion analysis. What we can say irrefutably is the the scheme in which these events unfold, the amounts of alactic speed efforts and at what velocities, the volume of aerobic running and at what velocities, the changes of direction, the load impacts, etc., etc., so if we, if, if, if we now say the challenge is to create a series of tests to assess key performance indicators, what might those tests consist of? And this is where we must be very careful with creating a test environment that is highly relative to the structure of the sport context. And so this is where the yo-yo fails miserably because there is no sport in which the dynamics of the yo-yo can effectively be copied and pasted and say, see, look how similar this is to the sport. Constantly running back and forth over a 20-meter space with almost no rest. And, and we simply do not see that in the sports world. Yeah. And, and so this is why, in my view, as a key performance indicator for aerobic development, the yo-yo is much more intelligently placed with other modes of assessment that have a much closer relationship to the way the aerobic system is stressed in these various sports. And, and again, that, that's rooted... You know, you know, you know. On the lecture side, I'm constantly mentioning the term basal constituents and irrefutable evidence. Yeah. And and, and if we stay there only in this fundamental discussion of what is irrefutable, on that basis, I am able to state irrefutably that the yoko makes very little sense as a key performance indicator assessment relative to the spectrum of sports. True, yeah, true. I, I, I 100% see where you're coming from. So the, the two things I, I'd ask is, one is, so I, don't, I definitely know the yo-yo is not specific, but it, it, it would fall into the category of just a general global test that does look at the aerobic system. And then my, or an argument someone can make is, well, then a bench press has nothing got to do with the, with the biodynamics or the well bioenergetics maybe but the biodynamics or the uh the um what the fuck am I trying to hear the biodynamics and uh the the, 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 the not the bioenergetics. What's the other bio biodynamics? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. So the, the exactly the 
the, a, ben, a bench press one or M test has nothing got to do with the biomotor or biodynamics of let's say hurling or Gaelic football as well like so someone could turn around and say that then if, if you're going to say that about the yo-yo you can make that argument about like a squat or bench press test I mean you don't squat or bench press out in the field either but yet they're, they're global assessments of lower and upper body strength but I know what I, I, I 100% appreciate where you're coming from but what, what would be your answer then to that then like do you not see it as just a general a general test and again you wouldn't be using the means of yo-yo as your test uh, as the way to train so so first off my response would be you are correct there there is no specific relevance of the result of having a stronger bench press nor a stronger squat in the context of gaelic football however when we begin to look at the effects of general organism strength we, we now are able to widen our scope of what we might include in preparatory measures on that basis and so then our filter becomes orthopedic concerns and trainability the relevance to the dynamics of sport and so on and so forth and so this is where even a basic strength training exercise would, would have more justification behind it than a yo-yo test. Yeah. Because the if we say, okay, well, instead of simply an assessment, we're going to perform the yo-yo as a training means to develop these aerobic qualities in the context of a field sport. And, and someone might say, so in that context, even though the, the, the nature of how the aerobic developments are generated the biodynamics, which is to say, do not relate to any sport out there if we're using the argue, argument of just sort of general or global fitness developments, then we could just as easily use the yo-yo two or three times a week as someone could the squat or the bench press. And the way that would be ruled out is via the use of these additional filters which I've described previously as essential, possible, useful, and any other vernacular mm. rel relative to the preferred you know, colloquialisms. And even in that context, it would not pass because we would seek more relevant means of the aerobic development, yeah. such, as, such as the extensive tempo. Yeah. So, so again, my criticism is not... Whether it's whether it's the yo-yo or the maximal aerobic speed or anything else, it's it's not whether these assess improvements in aerobic qualities. It's it's going deeper than that, and it's saying how are these aerobic qualities either developed in the case of maximal aerobic speed, yeah. or how are they tested in the case of the yo-yo, yeah. and in that context alone is why I. I would not approve of their use in any circumstances regarding the preparation of a field sport athlete. Yeah, I, I only asked that question because I know somebody would, would come back with that. Well, if you're saying that the yo is not specific enough, well, then surely any sort of max strength testing is not that specific either because they're general tests to see as a you know, global yeah. or, organism strength. So I just wanted you to address that because I knew I'd get that question. But um, and, 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 I, and I would add to that, uh, Robbie, and that's absolutely correct. There, there's... There is certainly no need to ever test the squat or the bench press or any other strength yeah. exercise in the preparation of a field sport athlete. So I would, I would say you're absolutely correct. Yeah, and I had, I had a brain fart there. I, I, was, I was trying to say biomotor uh, bio qualities, I forgot. So the three bios, biodynamic, bio bioenergetic, and biomotor. There are three bios. It's just, I couldn't, for whatever reason, biomotor bio went down in my head until he said it. Um, yeah. The other thing I was just going to say there was, in terms then of developing some testing criteria then is that based specifically off the sport so in terms of like a, a kpi or a more specific tests in terms say of gaelic games you, you're well aware of gaelic games would something like a like a a, a, a phosphate decrinkment test or sort of like an alactic repeatability test would, would that be something that you think would have a lot more um transferability or validity i suppose is the word um for testing and um, the aerobic capacities so looking only, so the funny thing is, when we look only at the aerobic component of these sports, if we're looking at a time motion analysis of, of the Gaelic football, and, I, and, and let's say we're doing a film review 
and we utilize our software to edit out all running efforts that exceed the 75th percentile of velocity, for example. So, so what we're looking at on film is only the, the, the aerobic running velocities. Yeah. This would actually be very eye-opening for coaches because once all the other higher intensity running forms were eliminated from the film, all we would see, whether it's Gaelic, whether it's rugby, whether it's Aussie rules, whatever, all we would see is athletes, whether it's whether it's with the their respective sport implements, you know, the type of ball or the stick, what have you, they would just sort of be jogging around. And you, you know, the coaches would say to one another, what, what is this sport? They're just sort of jogging around. They jog here, they jog there, they walk, they do a stride, and then they walk. They'd say, they'd say this is ridiculous. You, you, a reasonably fit individual doesn't even need to train for this because even if all your routine consists of is medicine ball work, you, you'll well enough be able to go out here and, and jog around you know, 300 times during the game because the speed is so slow, it barely warrants a preparatory attention. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost amusing when you look at it that way. Now, uh, it, is, it is. Yeah, I I always tell people that at games too. Like when the ball's at one end of the field, I'm like, look at the other end and look what everyone's doing. They're just standing there doing nothing. <laughs> they do right. That, they do that for minutes at a time. Now, now clearly we know that that a, that a single effort is not enough to constitute the the physiological environment. So so clearly the repeated hypothetically the repeated succession of faster sprints would clearly yield lactic and or aerobic stresses depending upon the work rest schemes intensities durations etc yeah. how again though we just don't see that in any sport we don't see any sport in which case it's this consistent sprinting back and forth it just doesn't happen and and and, and nor do we see in any sport the the consistent execution of efforts that might fall a little bit lesser in their intensity scale and then constitute some type of lactic, you know, shuttle. That doesn't happen either. We, we, we see these variable bursts, and the proportions are usually much smaller in terms of the total volumes in the alactic sense. The, the, in the lactic sense, they, they are, depending upon the sport, equally as small or the smallest, again, when yeah. we're looking at the velocities associated. Yeah. And in the aerobic sense, they're very big. And depending upon the sport, you know, some are bigger than the others. However, just because the amount of aerobic running, let's say, is large, that is not to be confused with the means by which we with which we must both develop those aerobic fitness qualities and assess them must be some extreme departure from what's actually occurring. And so this is where on the topic of how to assess, you know, in your case, if you're no longer going to use the yo-yo and you're going to use something else, what's, what's very almost seems too obvious is to just simply track the metrics of an extensive tempo session. Because, because an extensive tempo session is all the assessment you need because you're able to track the velocities that are occurring as a result of the running proportional or rather in relation to the amount of rest they're being given and, and what occurs during those rest intervals, you know, whether they're performing the push-ups and the abdominals, etc. Yeah, yeah. And, and so simple improvements, however you were to measure them, in their tempo fitness is all you need because the tempo is much more similar, ironically, to the game than the maximal aerobic speed or the yo-yo. Yeah, oh, like I, I like, and Horace said I, I, I know that again, like, and you know I know that as well. Um, but it's it's just yeah, and I agree. I I seen that in Roy Ryan Williams' book with Buddy Morris. He actually used sort of more of an extensive tempo type, like I suppose you want to call it testing protocol to kind of get a some sort of baseline of where where players are rugby development was at. 
Because again, as you know, the only reason I'm asking is we know how crucial the aerobic system is to replenish the creatine phosphate stores after we make uh, a, a high intensity uh, effort within the game. So yeah. it's just we, we know that the aerobic system is crucial in terms of recovery of the lactic system. So that's all why I ask. But like, it's uh, no, it's, it's interesting now that you that you you know I suppose I, that you brought that up with the yo-yo. But again, I, I was, and as you know, I never was never utilizing yo-yo as a training method. It was just more so as a baseline barometer. But I was clearly seeing improvements in that alone just from speed training and extensive tempo, which which I expected to see anyway. Well, and the, you know, the other thing is, on the topic of assessment, it, it, it's so important to be as specific as possible. And, and there's nothing more specific than the performance of the competition. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one reason why, you know, Charlie Francis would say, enter the season fit and the game will take care of the rest. Yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so the game is the most relevant assessment. That's it for part one, guys. Make sure you check out part two when I release it. But for now, take care, be well, and stay strong. Stay strong.